Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and I want to say thank you once again for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. The name Gina Masa Amini has been a name that has gained much attention. It's become almost a household name all over the world. Masa Amini was brutally murdered on September 13th, 2022 for showing a few strands of hair after being stopped by the morality police. Her name, her character, her martyrdom has been the impetus and the spark of the revolution that's going on right now in Iran for women's rights and freedom. I want to take a few minutes of your time today to read this story, Masa Amini, A Few Strains of Hair, which will be in my upcoming book I'm writing on the revolution entitled Uprising, We Are the Revolution. I want you to hear what I've written I've taken time to develop her last days of her life into like a novel structure, a storytelling narrative. But it's much more than just that. I want you to feel the raw emotion, the hurt, the heartache, and the pain that it caused her family. This is Gina Masa Amini, A Few Strands of Hair. Gina Masa Amini peered out the subway train window of the Tehran Metro. Tonight, the Tehran Metro was running right on schedule and would be arriving at Haghani Station within the next five minutes. It had been an extremely long travel day for her and her brother Ashkan. They had journeyed over 627 kilometers, or 389 miles, from the city of Sequez, which is located in the Kurdistan province near the border of Iraq. Tonight, Gina was very excited. She was going to finally get to see her uncle for the first time in over a year. She quietly chuckled to herself, remembering back to when she was just a child. He had proudly given her the nickname of Seni, which means gentle breeze. Everyone in her family, including her friends, called her by her Kurdish name, Gina. Masa was her Persian name and was reserved only for her passport since Kurdish names were not accepted on official documents. Gina reclined back in her seat and relaxed, closing her eyes for a few moments. This past summer had been incredible. It had been the most incredible time in her life. She had applied for university in Iraq to study biology and recently had opened her very own boutique shop, calling it Best Boutique. Having her own small business had been the dream of her life made possible by her dear father. Best Boutique featured Kurdish clothing, very colorful, a wide variety of women's jewelry, and in just eight days, Gina would turn 23 on September 23rd, and was planning on having the biggest birthday celebration of her life. The sudden jolt of the subway train coming to a halt startled Gina. She quickly opened her eyes and stood up from her seat. They had finally arrived at Haghani Station. It was exactly 6.15 p.m. Following close behind her brother, they exited the train and stood outside the station. 
The evening sky was illuminated with brilliant streaks of orange and yellow. It was officially sunset in Tehran. As Gina and her brother began walking away from the station, a woman dressed in a long black chador, flanked by two security officers dressed in military green uniforms, stopped them. The woman gazed carefully at Gina's loose-fitting headscarf and then scrutinized the trousers that she was wearing. She shook her head in disgust and gave her a scornful look. Gina knew right away that this must be the Tehran Morality Police. May I see both of your passports? The woman asked with a sharp tone in her voice. Gina reached into her purse and Ashcan removed his wallet from his back pants pocket. The woman carefully inspected Gina's passport with a look of disapproval when she discovered her Kurdish background. She returned the passport to Gina and then edged closer with a stern look on her face. You have an improper hijab, miss. Do you know that? The woman reached up and touched the few strands of hair that were protruding from her loose-fitting headscarf. Gina took a deep breath, struggling to relax. She could feel her heart beginning to pound in her chest. <sighs> Beads of sweat began to trickle down her face. I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I was not sure what the clothing standards were for Tehran. They are the same everywhere. The woman rudely interrupted. Your hijab should be completely covering your hair. No makeup or nail polish, no skin showing, and these trousers. This is not proper clothing for a Muslim woman. As my sister explained, Ashcan interrupted, we were not sure of the clothing standards here. The woman glanced back at the security officers, motioning for one of them to escort Gina toward the waiting patrol van. We are going to solve that problem once and for all, Miss Gina. We're going to take you to the police station, or I should say the detention center, for a few hours and re-educate you on the wearing of proper Islamic clothing. Gina edged closer toward her brother, nervously grabbing him by the arms for security. No, no, please don't let them take me, Ashcan, Gina protested in fear. Ashcan tried to stand between Gina and the morality police, but the guard shoved him out of the way, tightly grabbing a hold of Gina's arm and pulling her toward the van. Let go of me, Gina screamed, resisting with all of her strength. Ashcan tried to pull Gina away from the grip of the guard, but the woman stepped between them and gave him a fierce look. Stand aside, or you too will be arrested. A crowd of people had gathered after hearing the frightened screams of Gina. A few of them were busy filming the scene on their cell phones. Here is the address of the Zara Detention Center. You can get a cab to take you there. Gina will be reunited with you in about two or three hours. Ashcan quickly entered the address into his cell phone and then began looking for a taxi driver. The vacation of a lifetime had suddenly been transformed into a living nightmare, and Ashcan felt helpless to solve their dilemma. But there was one thing for sure. This was his sister, and he was determined to not let anything bad happen to her. Gina was frightened. She was terrified. 
As the morality officer forcibly dragged her toward the van, she resisted, looking back toward her brother to get one last look. Don't let them do this to me, Ashcan, Gina pleaded, screaming in desperation. The officer continued to restrain her and pushed her through the door into the tiny white van. Sit there, the officer yelled, pointing to a tiny space in the rear of the van between two other women. Gina flopped down between two other women, trembling with fear. One of the women put her arm around Gina, struggling to console and calm her down. The female officer climbed into the driver's seat and quickly started the van. I promise, I promise to never dress that way again. Just please let me go, Gina pleaded, her voice cracking with emotion. The male security officer took an angry deep breath and pointed his baton toward Gina. His eyes bulging wide in anger, he began shaking the baton at her face. Shut up! Shut up! I'm tired of listening to your complaining. One of the women tightly held on to Gina and drew closer to her, whispering in her ear, Shh! Just relax! It will soon be over. They will let us go. Gina tried to stop shaking, but all she could remember was seeing the expression of fear on her brother's face. All she could think about right now was seeing her uncle and running into his arms that she remembered doing years ago as a little child. Images of hopes and dreams of her future raced through her mind. Right now, Gina felt threatened as if her life was about to end. She wanted to escape from this nightmare. Her heart began racing in her chest. She struggled to breathe. Let me out of here. Let me out of here, Gina screamed, standing up from her seat. Immediately, the security officer stood up and struck Gina against the side of her head with his baton. Falling backward against the other women, Gina shrieked in pain, grabbing the side of her head. Blood began gushing out onto the clothes of the other women. The van took a sharp right turn, and the female driver shouted back at the officer who struck Gina. What is going on? What are you doing? One of the women quickly removed her hijab and wrapped it tightly around Gina's head to stop the bleeding. Gina began sobbing loudly, holding on to the wound on the side of her head. The officer who struck Gina took a deep breath and put the baton back in the compartment on his belt buckle. That will teach you to shut up. Gina was writhing in pain, fading in and out of consciousness. She tried to sit up but felt nauseated and faint. Her vision was blurred and for a few moments she was unaware of her surroundings. The woman continued to hold her in her arms and tried to console her. The bleeding had finally stopped. Gina lifted her head up from the woman's lap. The van pulled into the front entrance at the Vizara Detention Center. The driver turned off the engine. One of the other officers slid open the side door of the van. Gina tried to stand up, but fell back down. She was extremely dizzy. Her head was spinning. Let's try to walk together. I will help you, the young woman promised, helping Gina stand up. Gina slowly rose to her feet and tried to steady her balance. Her whole body was trembling with fear. The two other women stepped down from the side door of the van outside of the detention center, waiting patiently for Gina. Taking a nervous deep breath, Gina stood at the sliding door entrance of the van. She saw the other girls urging her to climb down and join them. Come on, move, 
the security guard yelled, standing directly behind Gina. Gina froze in fear. She didn't want to leave the van. She was terrified. Suddenly, she felt another sharp blow to the back of her head. She slumped forward, desperately killing it onto the panel of the sliding door. The two women rushed to her aid to keep her from falling forward. Gina screamed in pain as she fell into the arms of the women. Stop it! Stop it! One of the women yelled toward the officer. You're going to kill her! The officer adjusted his shirt collar, putting his baton back on his belt, and gave a devious look toward the women. She's Kurdish. She's getting what she deserves. The women carefully escorted Gina inside of the detention center, holding her up with their arms. Arriving at the front desk for processing, two other female officers gazed toward Gina, who could barely stand up on her feet. One of the officers snickered and said to the other, She's pretending to be sick so she won't have to go to jail. They both burst into laughter. Suddenly, Gina collapsed onto the floor, falling out of the arms of the other women. Help! Help! One of the women screamed out loud, Get a doctor! Ashcan had finally arrived outside of the Vazaro Detention Center. He quickly paid the taxi driver and waited patiently at the front door. He glanced down at his cell phone. It was 7.30 p.m. He remembered that the morality police had told them that Gina would be retained for just two hours and then be released. He began pacing back and forth, frustrated, impatient. Glancing back down at his cell phone to pass the time, the blaring sound of sirens and the arrival of an ambulance caught his attention. He watched two medics leap out of the ambulance and rush in through the front doors of the police station. Ashcan froze in fear. He was unsure of what was happening and was desperate for answers. He rushed toward the front door to follow the medics and was immediately restrained by a police officer. Stop! You can't go in there! Ashcan tried to push the officer out of the way, but was forcibly restrained. I told you, you can't go in there. The officer warmed him with a fierce look on his face. While one of the medics began performing CPR on Gina's lifeless body on the floor, the police commander ordered the security officers into an adjacent room and closed the door. You are to say nothing about what you witnessed this evening to anyone or the media. Do you understand? The camera footage will show Gina collapsing on the floor after arriving. Unfortunately, she suffered a heart attack, a cardiac arrest, and the doctors at the hospital will corroborate our story. Amjad glanced down at the lifeless body of his daughter, hooked up to machines and monitors in the ICU ward of Khazra Hospital. He gently stroked the strands of Gina's black hair with his trembling hand and bent down, whispering in her ear, Please wake up, dear daughter. I love you. He drew closer toward her face, hoping that she had somehow heard him, but her eyes remained tightly shut. Amjad reached down and gently grasped hold of Gina's hand. It felt cold, clammy, and unresponsive. His mind flashed back to the time when his daughter rushed into his waiting arms as a beautiful young child that was full of life and full of adventure. Now his precious child lay motionless in a deep coma, fighting for her life. 
He still couldn't believe what Dr. Njajafi had told him. Gina was brain dead. The resuscitation efforts had taken too long, and vital organs had been compromised without sufficient oxygen. With tears streaming down his face, Amjad gently kissed Gina on her forehead and caressed her hair. You were so full of life, dear daughter. You were so excited about your boutique shop and looking forward to attending university. Amjad could feel the rage growing deep inside of his soul. The anger and frustration was tormenting him like a cancer. His whole body began shaking as he turned away from looking down at Gina. He clenched his fist in anger. He refused to believe that his healthy daughter had just suffered a heart attack and was now desperately clinging to life. He knew deep down in his soul that she had been the innocent victim of a brutal assault by an out-of-control morality policeman. Taking a deep breath, Amjad turned away from the anger tormenting his soul and once again focused back on Gina, gently stroking her strands of hair with his trembling hand. Please wake up, dear Gina. I just want to see your lovely brown eyes looking up at me. I just want to hear your sweet voice. Call me daddy. The clicking sound of the door interrupted Amjad for a brief moment. He looked back and saw Dr. Najafi entering the room. I want to speak with you, Amjad insisted as he quickly moved away from Gina's bed. Dr. Najafi had a troubled look on his face as he moved to the side and held the door open for Amjad. They both went out in the corridor together. Ashcan was sitting in a chair looking intently at his cell phone in the waiting room. He quickly stood up after seeing his father race out of Gina's room, followed by the doctor. Dr. Najafi took a deep breath and looked intently into Amjad's eyes. I wish I had better news about your daughter, Mr. Amini. I understand your fears and stress patience, you know. Um, unfortunately, I don't want to hear it again, Amjad interrupted with a fierce look of anger in his eyes. Don't tell me Gina suffered a heart attack. She was beaten. I know it. Amjad now is pointing his finger toward the doctor's face. Dr. Najafi gazed around the waiting room, seeing the troubled expressions on people's faces. He wanted to avoid a scene and struggled to calm Mr. Amini down. I want to see the CT scans of Gina's head now. They will prove that she was beaten, Amjad insisted. Ashcan got in between the doctor and his father and held up his cell phone. Look, Dr. Najafi, this is a video that the morality police posted on the internet trying to prove that Gina fainted at the detention center suffering a heart attack. But it's false. It's obviously been edited. Dr. Najafi raised his hand up to calm Ashcan down. He nervously looked around the waiting room. People were staring intently at their conversation and getting very restless. He motioned toward a security officer stationed outside of Gina's room. The guard quickly approached them. I understand your anger, sir, but all I can say is that your duffer daughter suffered a cardiac arrest from a pre-existing medical condition. She was not beaten. You are lying, doctor. I know why. The police have instructed you on what to say, and you're following their narrative. Mr. Amini, 
The security officer interrupted. You must calm down or I will be forced to remove you. Amjad covered his mouth with his hands in frustration. Tears streamed down his face. Ashkan put his arm around his father. Amjad quickly composed himself and gave an angry look toward the security officer. There are witnesses who told me that she was beaten. You know what I'm saying is true, Amjad shouted. Ashkan pulled back on Amjad's arm, struggling to restrain him. Another security officer rushed over to take charge of the situation. You will be arrested if you don't calm down, the security officer warned Amjad. Suddenly, the sound of alarms interrupted their dispute. Dr. Najafi noticed a team of physicians rushing in to Gina's room. Dr. Najafi excused himself and quickly joined them. Amjad burst into tears, with Ashkan holding him tightly in his arms. The trauma had finally come to an end. Amjad locked the front door of the boutique store for the last time. The boutique store had been the thrill and the lifelong dream of Gina's life. But now there would be no more clothing and jewelry sales. There would be no more unpacking of boxing and watching his daughter proudly display the latest fashions. Gina had been brutally murdered for simply allowing a few strands of hair to protrude out from underneath her hijab. Amjad had been severely warned against talking to the media, but he didn't care. He refused to allow a dictatorship government to tell him what to say or what to do. A reporter had requested an interview with him today, and he took him on a brief tour of the boutique shop. But now the lights had been turned off, and the door had been locked for the very last time. You mentioned a special saying that had been written on Gina's gravestone, the reporter inquired. Amjad's face beamed with joy as he remembered his last trip to her grave. Yes, it was my wife's idea and a very good one. It is two very powerful sentences, and please do not forget to print this in your story. The gravestone says, Dear Gina, you won't die. Your name will become a symbol. After Gina's death, protesters removed their hijabs in defiance of the law and burned their headscarves in 146 cities across Iran yelling, Death to the Dictator. The government immediately shut down the internet as they did in 2019 when over 1,500 people protesters were executed in the streets by the IRGC. In the first 10 days, the uprising for freedom had been very costly, with over 180 slain and 8,000 arrested. Iranian women had reached their absolute limit with an oppressive government that for over 40 years had treated them like second-class citizens because of their gender. A young, innocent Kurdish girl, with her whole life ahead of her, had become the latest victim of a dictatorship government. She was now the symbol of an uprising that would never die down like the previous ones. It was the beginning of the end for the Islamic Republic of Iran. The cracks in the foundation were now spreading, and very soon, a bloodthirsty regime would crumble into pieces. Reflection 
It has been said that, quote, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, end quote. God created women as beautiful creatures in his spiritual image so that they could reflect his handiwork to the world. Their beauty was never intended to be hidden for religious purposes. The Bible proclaims in Psalm 139 verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit us together in our mother's womb. He fashioned every detail of our being so that we can display it to the world. Gina was a beautiful woman, and as a woman, she had the right to display her beauty. It's only a false religious system that restricts beauty and hides it under a veil so that a man will not be tempted. However, the God of the Bible declares that he doesn't judge by appearance. In 1 Samuel 16:7, God says, quote, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. End quote. The Islamic Republic of Iran is obsessed with outward appearances resulting in man-made rules that control women's bodies and suppress their beauty. Yet, God declares that we must stop be making rules and judgment based on outward appearance. He sees our hearts. He sees our inward beauty. Unfortunately, the government of Iran refused to listen to God and murdered Gina for showing a few strands of hair. This is the story that will be in my upcoming book, Uprising. We are the revolution. Never forget Gina, Masa, Amini, and all of the other women who have been brutally murdered simply because they wanted to have a choice, that they wanted to have freedom. Thank you so much for listening to The Cross in the Desert. Have a great week. God bless you.